0: To you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Before we start today, we'd like to encourage anyone looking for help with their digital marketing to get in touch with Site Visibility. Whether you have a burning digital marketing question or you're looking for an agency to work with, they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call plus four four one two seven three seven three three four three three, or you can fill out the form at sitevisibility.co.uk/contact. Or you can talk to either Scott or Sean via the live chat function on the site. They'd be happy to help. Now, today I'm joined by John McDonald, founder and president at The Good. John, how are you? Great. How about yourself? Uh, let me just check. Everything seems to be working normally. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> now you're uh, you're in the, the west coast of the US. Like where are you about exactly? In Portland. Yeah, Portland, Oregon. So northwest United States. That's nice. What's the weather doing at the
1: moment? At the moment, it is beautiful. It's supposed to be uh, in uh, 80 degrees Fahrenheit today, which is wonderful. Uh, You know, it's six months out of the year. It rains in Portland, Oregon. So uh, we're in that six months where it's absolutely beautiful.
0: Fantastic. It's quite nice here today. We had a heat wave last week. I don't know if you heard. It was up in the 30s, but now it's gone back down to the 20s. I actually prefer it a bit cooler because it's a bit too hot for me. My maximum operating temperature is 24 degrees C. And then I just shut down and go to sleep. Anyway, less of less of my thermal requirements. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, CRO, conversion rate optimization, in a minute. But before we do that, um, tell us a bit about yourself and the Good. Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder and president of the
1: Good. As you mentioned, uh, the Good is a conversion rate optimization firm. So we help brands to convert more of their existing website traffic into customers and leads. Uh, We've been doing this for over 10 years. So we felt brands like Adobe, Xerox, Nike, Autodesk, Swissgear, and hundreds and hundreds of smaller brands. Um, You know, our mission is to remove all of the bad online experiences until only the good ones remain. Mm. And I can't think of a better way to do that than the industry that is known as conversion rate optimization.
0: Fantastic. Now, we are trying to remember, actually, the last time we spoke about CRO on this show, and I think it was quite a few months ago. So why don't we just remind our listeners sort of what it is? how it works. CRO doesn't stand for cathode ray oscilloscope, by the way, it stands for conversion rate optimization. (laughs) Actually, CRO is an acronym, stands for lots of different things, but we're talking about conversion rate optimization here. Yeah, just give us a quick overview of of, of what it is and sort of how it works.
1: Yeah, yeah. so as you mentioned, it is CRO, does stand for conversion rate optimization. I often wish that it actually stood for continual revenue optimization, because Mm Really, it's conversion rate is just one metric that you really want to look at here. Uh, you truly want to understand every click and movement your site visitors are taking and use that to help make data back decisions. And true conversion rate optimization is going to be making small incremental changes to a site based on those data points to improve consumer experience. And that has the outcome of producing more revenue for a brand, And which is why I prefer continual revenue over conversion rate. But, you know, the reality here is we want to look at tons of different metrics, um, you know, improving average order value, uh, improving shopping cart abandonment rates pushing people further down the funnel or actually just greasing the wheels, if you will, making it easier for them to get further down the funnel. Um, There's a lot of different conversion points on a site besides the ultimate conversion of a purchase that really can be optimized. And so it's just understanding how people are engaging with your site, using that data to help improve the funnel and helping people get further down the steps to the ultimate conversion of a purchase.
0: Now, you mentioned, I just want to come back to that because you mentioned uh, data back decisions. I suppose it's all about data. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about tools a bit later as, as well, if I can. But before that, I mean, if, uh, for sites that are looking to improve their conversions, what sort of data should they be looking at? Should they be reviewing? Yeah. So,
1: Andy, there are really four key pieces of data that they should be you know, paying attention to on a very regular basis. And 99% of brands I see on a regular basis – aren't paying attention to all four of these, usually they're paying attention to one, maybe two. Mm. So if you start using all four of these, you're gonna be in the top 1% of brands automatically in terms of data knowledge and and gathering, which is great. The first is analytics. Now, this is typically what somebody would look at in terms of like Google Analytics, which is great, Uh, but it's not just having the default dashboards that Google Analytics provide. Mm. Now, understand Google Analytics is free, Right, and so their whole goal of Google Analytics is great tool, but it really the main point is to help you buy more ads, yeah right yeah that's the whole point of Google Analytics so you can actually use some of the deeper points of Google Analytics that aren't as readily accessible, but if you dive in a little bit and and do some research within it, you can find things like what paths people are taking through your site. It gives you a whole spaghetti view, if you will of what paths people are taking and and where they drop off in that funnel. And that's where it gets to be really, really helpful. Mm. also want to look at analytics for things like seasonality and trends so you can understand why your conversion rate drops at the same time every year, things of that sort. Um, So there's a lot of analytics data there. The second one is heat maps or engagement data. So heat maps is only one piece of engagement data, but that's uh, understanding where people are engaging on your site how far down look at scroll maps how far down the page are they scrolling yeah we look at click maps where are they clicking on a page i love uh, we often see what i call rage clicking and i love <laughs> this because it's where somebody yeah it's where somebody will start clicking on a page where they assume it should be a clickable element yeah. but it's not yeah right? and i think by repeatedly clicking it'll
0: suddenly work <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so you can see on these click maps, there are bright areas uh, yeah, of where yeah. people have been clicking that it is not a clickable element. Well, right there, you just yeah. just make it a link, right? I mean, <laughs> there's easy things you can start to see these trends from this data that are really, really valuable. So again, heat maps, click maps, scroll maps, uh, we do eye tracking. So where people are reading and looking at on a page, yeah, um, at all session recordings, how people are moving around a screen, yes. can be really helpful. So, as so well.
0: presumably, when you're doing the the eye tracking and the uh, and this sort of test, you've got if a physical person there looking at your website and you're basically monitoring their eye movements, are you?
1: Yeah. So all yeah. of this is done in aggregate, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't want to mess with things like GDPR. Or privacy regulations that are out there, so we don't want this to be individually identifiable information. Yeah. Now, what this is instead is a heat map will bring all of that aggregate data together and show you where people are looking or not looking in in aggregate, and that's actually that is what is much more helpful than just one individual mm. in this type of data.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, the next piece of data called user testing. That is where we get into individuals. So now that we understand what the analytics is telling us and the trends and the paths through the site, and we can understand all that engagement data, we then move into doing user testing. And this is where we find people who match the ideal customer profile of the site and we ask them to complete tasks on the site mm-hmm. while we record their screen and their audio. Now, these test subjects are all compensated, so we're not in, you know, doing anything around GDPR or anything of that sort. Mm. Additionally, they are trained to talk out loud about the experience that they're having. So what that means is we're able to truly understand not only what they're doing, but what they're thinking as they're doing those. So we get both the qualitative and quantitative data here. Yeah. And the idea behind that is that we're going to get more context and develop a lot more empathy for the consumer. And I think that's really, really important here. So out of that, we're able to understand why people are taking the path to the site that they are, uh, understand what they're thinking as they're going through all of these pieces of data. And that is extremely helpful. Mm. And that leads to the fourth uh, piece of data, which is A, B, or split testing. Yeah. Now, use all of that data, the analytics, the engagement data, the user testing. We're able to form some... Really solid hypotheses around what the challenges are and why they exist and how those should be resolved. That leads to us building out A B tests. And uh, we're able to scientifically test what changes to the site are going to have the biggest effect uh, or improvement to the metrics that we're looking to improve with that test. And so using all four of those pieces of data in a cumulative fashion. We're able to make solid data-backed decisions and only make permanent changes to the site that we know for 100% sure are going to have a positive outcome and effect.
0: So those are four main things. That's just to recap. That's analytics, uh, heat maps or engagement data, uh, user testing and A-B or or split testing. I love it when experts... like you mentioned that if you do something you'll be in the top 1%, that's so empowering. And mm-hmm. but I guess by doing all four, it's it, you're doing a lot more than than most uh companies or people will do. Just going back to user testing, um what sort of numbers of users do you need to get a sort of meaningful test?
1: Great question. It's surprisingly and shockingly low. Really? 5. Oh, really? 5. Any- Yeah. Anything more than five, you're going to start getting the same answers and it's not going to be very helpful. So the return on your investment for doing user testing starts to dramatically increase somewhere around five or decrease, excuse me, somewhere around five. So be thinking a lot about the types of questions you're asking and you want to get specific enough that you're getting great feedback and um, but you're also really, you know, can get some great knowledge out of just five um, and, you know, a lot of people look at user testing and they try to make it more complicated than it needs to be. And I think that kind of goes in line with your question about how many you need. I've seen user testing done extremely well by somebody just taking a laptop to their local, uh, you know, mall or shopping plaza or whatever you want to call it yeah. and stopping people and asking them you know, maybe one or two qualifying questions, and then offering them some small compensation to sit down for 10 minutes and review the website. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking over their shoulder. Um, and so, you know, that's on-site moderated user testing. How we generally do it is what we call remote unmoderated. This is where it's all done on the user's home computer. We ins- we have them install um, some software. allows us to collect all the the video of their, uh, you know, webcam and their their desktop. Yeah, but you know, again, it's uh, that's just so we can have a much broader audience. We have hundreds of thousands of people in our testing pool, so we can really focus in on those demographic data points. Um, but it can be super simple. Just take your laptop out and ask people to use your site. You'll get some amazing perspectives. It's all really about. Having as an e commerce manager, it is extremely hard to I say this all the time to read the label from inside the jar. You were so close to your website, yeah, right, that you help build it, you help make all the decisions on a daily basis. you help to define the navigation. What's on the product detail page? Think about all the things that that role can influence because you you that's your role. That's your job. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is, is that as a new-to-file customer, someone who's just getting to your site for the first time, mm. they don't have any of that context, right? Yeah. So uh, that's important to have an understanding from that new-to-file customer what it's like to approach and utilize your website and what their user experience is.
0: Yeah. That is so true, because uh, as I've said a, a gazillion times on this podcast, the other thing that I do is software development, and I do quite a lot of work for government websites. And it, you're absolutely right. When you're when you, you you're in it, you're developing it, you see it in a certain way. But you know, when we watch uh, videos of user testing, and you see what, as you say, they they they're encouraged to speak out loud as they're trying to navigate the site. And watching them do that is a complete eye-opener. Suddenly you see the site in a completely different way.
1: Yeah, first of all, bless you for um, making government websites better. I definitely appreciate that.
0: Well, you know, I do my best. Well, I assume they're slightly better after I've been <laughs> <playing> through <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Um, so you've got all this data uh, through these various analytics, heat maps, et What's sort of What should be um, in your mind as your sort of going through reviewing that data? What, what's what's the goal, the main goal? I think the overarching goal
1: is just gaining empathy for the site visitor. Mm. It, it's just that simple. Because once you have a perspective and understanding of, of their consumer experience on your site, you are gonna make wildly different decisions than if you're just looking to communicate information. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that if websites originated from sales teams, and not marketing departments, they'd be very different today. Yeah. But you know, as marketers, we ruin everything, right? As soon as we get our hands on it, it's all about us and what we want to communicate, right? Mm. And but it, you know, if a salesperson had originally developed a website, it would be all about providing the information and the experience that is needed to close the sale, and doing that from the perspective of what does that site visitor want right? What are they trying to accomplish? What information are they looking for? Let's make it as easy as possible to get them that information. But instead, as it's become a marketing tool, so many people try and so many brands try to push their marketing message throughout their website. And that just muddies the consumer experience. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't market on your website. It's a key tool for marketing. Yeah. But I am suggesting that you should have some empathy for the consumer visiting your site and understanding the two reasons, and they're only at your website for two reasons. And the first is they have a pain or a need that they're looking to solve. And something told them that your website is can help them solve that pain or need. Maybe it was a Google search. Maybe it was a social ad. Maybe it was a recommendation from a friend. But something led them there with an intent to solve their pain or their need. And then second is once they have been at your site and they've determined that that pain or need can be solved by your product or service... They want to convert. They want to purchase that pain or need as quickly and easily as possible. And then they're done. That's mm-hmm. all they really want. And, you know, your site is not Facebook. They're not there to hang out. Very, very few places on the internet are just there for people to hang out. And even then, you know, as marketers, we, we've we tried to inject ads into those places, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think, you know, it's really important to just gain some empathy
0: for the site visitor. Yeah, it's interesting that because we, we've discussed more recently on the show actually about um, the way uh, sort of marketing is going online. And I mean, some sites can be really annoying, can't they? <laughs> especially, especially with the yeah. pop-ups and
1: things. Um, oh, man. I'm a firm believer, Andy, that if you wouldn't do something in a retail store, you yeah. shouldn't do it on your website. And yeah. pop-ups is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Think about if you walked into a retail store and the sales associate jumped out in front of you with a clipboard and said, <laughs> I need your email address, what, do you, what would you do? Like, I, I would have maybe a violent reaction.
0: Yeah, I was going to say punch him in the face, but then I, I thought, right. no, don't say that. It's a professional podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. but you know, the reality
1: is, like, why do we treat people like that online?
0: Yeah, because we can't see them.
1: Right. Yeah. Having empathy. It all goes back to that empathy.
0: Now, uh, we've talked, you mentioned uh, when you were talking about sort of what people should be doing, um, talked about analytics, talked about Google Analytics. Have you got any other favorite tools that you would recommend people look at for various uh, sort of, you know, analytics and heat maps and user testing and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, the good news is a lot of these tools have become extremely accessible to Mm. any size brand. And... You know, all four of the the areas of data I mentioned earlier have tool sets that are extremely reasonably priced and easy to utilize at this point. So for analytics, of course, Google Analytics is the big one out there. Yeah. But again, you really need to spend some time digging a little deeper than the default dashboards that it gives you. Um, but the data is all there for you to consume and it is extremely helpful. If we're looking at engagement data... There's one tool that I always recommend. It's called Hotjar. H-O-T-J-A-R. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say it's like ten U.S. dollars a month in that range, and you know what it gives you is all the heat maps, the session recordings, scroll maps, click maps. It gives you all of that engagement data, and it helps you see that. And then you can set it up to deliver that data to you. What I mean by that is get notifications when those heat maps are ready. Ah. And that's extremely important because most people will install a tool like Hotjar and then forget that it's there and just stop paying attention to the data. So having that data pushed to you is going to be extremely important.
0: By the way, you just reminded me there when you're talking about heat maps and we were, we were laughing earlier about uh, your findings of people rage clicking. I'm the (laughs) guy that does that. I I rage click so much. <laughs> so, uh, just a little caveat there. Um, yeah. One top tip or a takeaway for our audience today, John, what, what would it be? Because we spoke about quite a lot of things, but what do you think should be in the forefront of our listeners' minds?
1: Well, I think that you, of course, should start tracking and utilizing those four bits of data that I mentioned earlier and reviewing that data on a regular basis. But in addition to that, it's making data back decisions, right? So not blindly copying your competition. I can't tell you. I see hundreds of e-commerce sites a week that we review and work with. And I can tell you that the vast majority of people who come to me say, our competition is doing this, so we want to start doing that too. Mm. And that's almost always a bad situation. What I mean by that is, A, you don't really know if it's working for your competition, right? They could be much, much larger than you. And, you know, and that's, you know, great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that tactic is working for them over you, right? The second thing is you could be opted into an A, B or a split test. You don't know if you got opted into that test and they're just testing to see if that thing works. Um, And additionally, it's all about your specific site visitors. And all of that data I talked about, will help you do these things for your site visitors and make data back decisions in that manner, which is just going to be key.
0: Well, John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, How can our listeners find out more about you and more about The Good? Yeah, so uh, I highly recommend going to
1: thegood.com, T-H-E-G-O-O-D.com. That's our website. It's got tons and tons of helpful insight articles. Uh, If you just click on Insights in the top navigation, you'll get... uh, 10 years worth of really helpful in-depth articles and then you can sign up for our email list Uh, we send that article out to the email list each week uh, that we publish it's all helpful information it's not a sales pitch it's really out there to just uh, be as helpful as possible and again help uh, with our our mission of removing all of the bad online experiences until only the good ones remain so i highly recommend going to our website you can get in touch with us there
0: Thanks, John. And thanks for listening, everyone. Uh the show notes will be in the usual place, sitevisibility.co.uk slash impodcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review so that we know how we're doing. If you have got questions or suggestions for future topics to be discussed, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at site also. And in addition, remember we have that site visibility group on LinkedIn. So that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from John. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, John. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.